Welcome to Daisy Update for December 4th, 2022. I'm your host, Chris Ologi. I'm Brandon Parkin. And I'm Danra Victoria. And yeah, we're back with a big slate of news mm-hmm. as the Game Awards looms over us. Yep. Here in four days, we got some tidbits of news around that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but besides that, we have a bunch of stuff happening here. Uh, we got your new subscription games. Uh, we got a few more releases coming out here over the next week or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a couple of surprising launches early next year. Uh, a couple of delays and some other news and tidbits and some bad companies getting uh, bad things happening to them. So we'll tell you all about that stuff uh, when we get to it. But for now, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. Mm. Uh, and I will kick it off here uh, talking about Need for Speed Unbound. Mm. Uh, that came out this week. Uh, EA Play 10-hour trial as well as just full purchase uh, for the game. And I'm enjoying it a lot so far. Uh, though I've had a weird bug with EA Play where it doesn't recognize the trial anymore. So it mm. wants me to buy it. Uh, I may end up doing that anyway, but out of uh, just being stubborn, I'm just not going to play it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I was enjoying it. Uh, did a stream with it. Uh, played. So it comes in two different modes. Uh, mm-hmm. There's the story mode, mm-hmm. which just focuses on the campaign. And I guess after you get to a certain point, then it opens up with all the collectible and open world stuff mm-hmm. to it that I was a bit surprised to see, considering I played about an hour and a half of that and was like, okay, we're just going to keep doing story stuff. Like, that's okay. But I wanted the smash into stuff and get the jumps and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, so I jumped into the free roam mode, uh, which also has PVP to it uh, through there. So you'll get onto essentially a server with, I think about 16 total people uh, that are doing their own thing. And you'll occasionally see some pop-ups for like, Hey, somebody's trying to do a race here. And do you want to join them? And if you do, uh, you just hit a button and you'll be pulled in once the counter is down, goes down. Uh, but yeah, the, the racing action is pretty well done here. Uh, much like Need for Speed games, the uh, the handling is a bit heavier than like a Forza Horizon. And that makes it a bit of a different uh, feel to it. Uh, you can't just necessarily throw your vehicles all around willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sort of being more focused on street racing uh, throughout this kind of Chicago-style city. Um, yeah they have changed up a little bit of the mechanics so that there's a big focus on drift here. Uh, So uh, you kind of do your thing where you're going into turn, you hit the brake briefly and you'll start going into a drift. uh, Not as automatic as like a uh, Ridge racer kind of drift, but it's certainly more of a uh, a stylized drift to it. That is pretty neat. Um, and sort of along with that, you have both a nitrous meter mm. that's, you know, once you you know empty it, it starts filling it up as you go. Uh, but as you're doing like drifts and I think uh, falling behind people and some other things against some air, it'll fill up this other meter that is sort of a quick burst. Mm. Uh, it's put into like three segments. And if you can fill up at least one, you can hit... Uh, a or X uh, coming out of uh, 
you're going to be mid drift uh, turn, you know, whatever uh, you'll do a quick like boost of uh, boost, you know, yeah. uh, if you fill it up all the way to three, you'll get a much bigger boost out of it. Uh, so it kind of rewards you for more risky play. And if you're, you know, behind other racers, mm-hmm. uh, you'll get the, uh, the drafting kind of bonus that uh, makes it a little bit easier for you to catch up if you're behind others. Mm. Uh, so that's uh, one of the big uh, changes they've made here. Uh, there's, and since this is criterion making it, there's a little bit of burnout flavor to it a little bit. Uh, if you crash into stuff and like knock your car over, you'll get like a quick, uh, you're okay. Keep driving kind of thing. Like way burnout paradise would have that stuff. Um, you have a damage meter and it's seems like you'd really have to mess up constantly to kill your car. So I don't think that's going to be too much of an issue for people. Um, but the other big change is like the stylistic change where your vehicles have these kind of living graffiti kind of stuff coming off of them. Hmm. Uh, get a little bit of burnout. You see a bunch of stylized smoke coming out of your car. Uh, when you're flying in the air, uh, you'll see like wings pop out of your car. When you're going around drift, you'll see, you know, stylized that kind of thing. As you're going fast, you'll see like streaks coming off of your brake lights, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Uh, that gives it a real nice flavor to it, uh, versus just being, you know, yet another uh, good-looking racing game kind of thing to it. So that makes it feel quite nice and look quite nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, your your driver has a very uh, kind of stylized look to them. Uh, they're very much in a, not really anime, but, you know, kind of in that vein, they're cell shaded, flash shaded mm-hmm. kind of thing to them so that they uh, stand out, especially you can see them much more easily than in, in like a Forza Horizon game, mm-hmm. which also features a lot of cosmetics for your driver, but you rarely ever see them because they just don't mm. stand out in the car in any way. Uh, but here you can see see your character driving more often, more easily. Oh. Uh, when you go back to your safe house, you can buy you know a bunch of licensed clothes for your character, uh, that kind of stuff. If you want that, as well as uh, and so the the difference between the free roam and the story mode. Story mode, you don't have stats for your cars, at least maybe not until it opens up as an open world game, because oh. uh, you just start off. They have all the cars rated from. I think B plus or B to S plus mm-hmm. and the ones you start with in the story mode are A pluses. Whereas if you go to the free run mode, you start with a B uh, rated car. Uh, so there you're buying, you know, uh, different upgrades inside the car, changing out different parts for things. Sometimes they're cosmetic. You can get like full scale overhauls of your cosmetic car Uh for that kind of stuff as well as just internal stuff to upgrade its stats and, you know, bump it up to different tiers uh, for that kind of stuff. And yeah, like the, the story mode, I think you get like an S plus uh, as well as a, an A plus. No, that's free roam. You get like a B and then you get like an S plus. You can go drive around, do you know stunts and all that kind of stuff with, uh, but when races will have ranks tiers tied to them. So, you don't have a suitable car for the race that's going on, it'll pop up a bunch of generics you can use in the meantime. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that stuff seems to work pretty well. 
uh, it throws you into like a series with like three races and you're in, you know, 10 points if you win, eight points if you're second, six points if you're third, so on mm-hmm. and so forth. And you do well enough, you might win. If not, you generally get quite a bit of cash, like depending on the race, you could get at least like 10 to, I don't know, 20, 30, 40,000 bucks with that to spend on upgrades. And so it's not too hard to turn even your junkiest cars into uh, mm. high stat ones. So uh, it does a pretty good job of making that stuff all work pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can, they have liveries that uh, people make, so you can put those on. Uh, you know, there's a lot of ones that are anime themed and all that kind of stuff. Uh, all that kind of stuff that you can get there that works out pretty well. And does a good job of uh, working even with the various kind of cosmetic changes you can make to your car. Uh, they're able to work with that pretty well. So, yeah, I've been enjoying that a lot. Uh, a couple of like points um, that have been annoying me. One, the horns like last for like three seconds. Mm. Uh, like even the the normal horns, or you know, that should just hold down as long as you're holding down the button. Uh, mm. Versus like all the gimmick ones that are like little songs or whatever. There's nothing nothing ridiculous for horns. Like in Forza Horizon, you can get like the a window startup sound or you know, the error message sound kind of thing. Uh, lots of, like, Halo theme, all that kind of stuff. Uh, here they don't really have too much of that, though they do have one of ASAP Rocky saying beep. Mm. Sometimes they'll do beep beep mm-hmm. when you're honking the horn, so it's like, all right, that's pretty good, but it needs more of that stuff. Um, but, yeah, it's got all the kind of stuff you would want in this kind of game. There's... A uh, little bear collectibles you run into. Uh, there's uh, signs to bust through. Uh, there's speed traps and speed zones and drift zones, uh, all that kind of stuff. There's like the other collectibles like street art that can be used as like decals on your cars, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of stuff. And yeah, the the world's pretty well designed. Uh, maybe the other issue I have is that the mini map is not great with directional stuff. Because uh, mm-hmm. when you're running into like the the highways where you have a bunch of roads converging together, it can be tough to know exactly what uh, off ramp or on ramp or uh, what path it exactly wants out of you. Mm. In some of those instances, uh, and maybe the other one is uh, the game looks nice pretty much most of the time, uh, but you do see some issues at points where like there are it's like a Chicago area, there are areas that have a lot of puddles and such. And those are not like actual puddles you can drive into. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you drive on them, they feel like a, you know, asphalt mm-hmm. kind of thing. So it's like, well, why the fuck is there even a puddle here if it's not going to at least do a little splashing sound effect or anything like that? Uh, so that kind of stuff. And it's not even like there are, you know, a different road uh, texture or anything. Mm. Uh, it's just, a water puddle where it's like the car doesn't even like dip into it or anything. It's just like a flat surface that happens to have mm-hmm. a big puddle under it or something like that. So that's like the other little issue I have with it, but everything else seems to be really quite good with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I definitely do want to play more of it, but EA play doesn't want me to play more of it. Mm. Uh, so maybe I'll find another way to get access to it, but yeah, there you go. Hey, they made a need for speed game. That's actually good that I actually want to play that and not just wait until it's free on EA play. Mm -hmm. 
uh, for that, or it's 90% off. Uh, so there's that. Uh, the other game I've played that's recent is I Am Jesus Christ. They put out a prologue. This is a game we talked about a while ago when it got announced. Uh, I had a very silly trailer to it that you're like, what? what is this game? Well, they put out a prologue demo that mm. includes, I think, six chapters. Uh, at least I think it's six chapters because it just crashed for me after six chapters. Uh, so I don't know if there's more after that and it doesn't, does it have like dedicated saves or anything like that in the demo? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I, when I tried to reload it, it just launched me back into the beginning of the chapter I finished. Mm. Uh, but this is very much a narrative adventure game, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, first person. Yep. Uh, it runs very poorly mm. on seems like on most people's computers. Yeah. So when I was trying to stream this, it was running very poorly, 30 FPS uh, maximum. And mm-hmm. that was with me turning the graphical quality all the way down and trying to you know do everything I could to lessen the load, even turning the max frame rate to 30 mm-hmm. and turning off B-Sync and all that kind of stuff. And it still wasn't like anything steady. And it seems like it's just this prologue is just poorly optimized for most people. I saw people posting... Mm. specs for much better pcs and be like i could barely get 40 mm. out of this and it's like yeah that because this game isn't doing anything graphically i would say it's like on the level of a an oblivion oblivion mm. there uh especially as i turn down the graphic quality mm. uh to it so but yeah you start off with you know a big cinematic about you know uh mary being uh running into the the angel that tells her that she is pregnant with God's child, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And uh, I think the angel also finds the three Mary men or whatever it is uh, to invite them to this birth that is happening. And then fast forwards to 30 years later when he sets on his quest to, you know, become God's son and get all the powers that come with that. Uh mm. And so you're starting off being like, oh, I got to go find John the Baptist. Talk, talk to Mary. And she's like, I don't know. There's somebody that's like in this little market that uh, probably knows where he's at. And you talk to some people. I had to talk to a woman who's like, oh, yeah, I know somebody who knows where he is. Just follow me. And I had to follow her around kind of thing. But everybody I talked to had like different things to say. Uh, some of them were very much not a fan of his. Like, mm-hmm. if I see him, I'll kill him kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's trying to play this all straight, uh, but it does get into some some weird bits. Uh, so yeah, this uh, that segment. Then you you talk to the guy in a nearby farm, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, "Is this open world?" And it's like, "Not really." Uh, when it's it's only as open as the current chapter needs you to be. Mm-hmm. It's like this. It it was literally just walk over to these uh, nearby farm and talk to this person, and then that's like as far as the whole place would go. It's like I had me go back to the house, sleep for the night, come back in the morning before he set off on this journey to go to where John the Baptist would be. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this game would bug out a lot, even though it gives you like a big compass at the top of the screen, you know, like an Elder Scrolls game or whatever uh, to like highlight where you're going. Uh, Once I got towards John the Baptist, it was suddenly he wasn't on there. Uh, the 
you know, the marker for it kind of thing. But I eventually figured it out because there was also like a, a health mechanic that I had to eat some food to refill my bar. Uh, but there's like multiple bars on this health bar kind of thing that don't really make too much sense. But uh, once you meet him, you get your, at least your baptized and like ready to fulfill your destiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, like right after that, you go to the desert to survive for 40 days and 40 nights on the Holy spirit, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, which is where it runs into a tutorial to show you how the combat works, uh, which is weird to say the least. Um, mm-hmm. So the, the tutorial stuff has like this weird, you know, light orb, that's supposed to represent like the enemy that you know fires a a ball at you, and you the first thing you learn is how to parry that back. Mm. Uh, and then the the other ability you get is like the uh, the parry right mouse button like pulls them to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a weird system for that stuff um, because yeah, by the end of these forty days and forty nights the devil shows up to tempt you away from fulfilling your destiny mm-hmm. to joining them and getting joining him and getting power and all that uh, to rule with him. Uh, and of course that goes into a big boss fight and the devil in this instance is basically a big red orb. that looks like a sunny side up egg essentially. Um, and so you're like, you know, sending shots back, pulling them towards you so I guess that makes it easier for those shots to hit them if they're closer kind of thing. And so I eventually beat the devil and then he goes to this big, long cinematic about, well, oh, I'm going to infest every human on earth and give them sin and all this stuff. Mm. Uh, as it's shown this big elaborate cutscene uh, that also makes it look like it's going to turn into an open world game, like Assassin's Creed. And you got to, you know, save the territories, mm. uh, earn them back from the devil kind of thing. And it's like, all right, is this going to get real interesting here? And it's like, not really. Hmm. Uh, uh, then you get to the next chapter and it's like, all right, I'm Jesus. I got some abilities here. And I think the, the first thing it takes you to is you are going to start talking to other people. Uh, and you're finding these fishermen who you convince to stop being fishermen and being fishers of men. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially his disciples that are going to help him convert people to Christianity, you know, all that fun stuff. And so there was a whole weird mechanic. They have you do this to convince these fishermen to stop being fishermen that you can just give them fish whenever Uh, that's one of your abilities, I guess. And so once you do that, then you do the water to wine thing Mm. or attending, you know, somebody's uh, wedding and they're out of wine because they, they all got drunk and decided to drink it all early. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you ha- you do this whole thing to fill up the the big jugs of water with to turn them into wine. Mm. And that's the whole thing. That's not even that long. Uh, so there's that. And then the, the last one you do is you run into a Roman soldier, a uh, centurion, who's like, I've heard you can perform miracles. My son is dying. Can you help him? Mm-hmm. And he's like, Sure, is able to do this long range, I guess, uh, where you like send your spirit to roam inside the boy's body, mm-hmm. like going through 
veins essentially and uh it seems to be only like four uh disease like coronavirus style like mm. uh cells looking things yeah uh you just go through these four different parts and just hold down the button to kill it and and you've saved the boy and he goes home and sees that his boy is okay and then you know tells more people about you and I think that's where the game crashed. Yeah. But I think that's probably about as much. It's like an hour and a half of mm. time. So it's like a pretty meaty demo because there's a lot of story stuff here. You, you walk around, you get these little cards that have bits of the Bible in them uh, that pertain to whatever you're doing at that point. The load times were like two to three minutes each. That was just super ridiculous. Uh, but that's how... Uh, the uh, the poor performance seems to also happen if you're not on an SSD at all. Uh, so that's also an issue. And then, yeah, it's it's so weird. And then you get to this like weird other zone at times that, like, you go around to destroy the sin, and they're just in these like alternate, uh, alternate like dimension. Mm-hmm. There's like crystals that you go and like put your hand on to like destroy them and then you can like hit the Z button to send out like a a wave around you almost like you're you know trying to highlight items in your environment it's like that kind of mechanic that's really just weird uh and what else and there's like some weird loading times when you're finishing some of these segments where just like here's a portal puzzle there's pressure plate you put a cube on it and then you got this uh staircase that lets you get to the next part of your game mm-hmm. kind of stuff it's a lot of weird elements pushed together but uh if they do i think they are working on updates for this game or for this prologue uh so i hope that does get fixed because i would like to play like the ideal version of this mm-hmm. uh but yeah there's definitely a lot of a lot of uh threads on their forum that are about bugs and such and all the performance all that kind of stuff so yeah and also people making jokes all that kind of stuff uh like you know, what version of Christ is this? Uh, of course, this is the white version of Jesus Christ, uh, despite taking place in Jerusalem in the Middle East. Um, everybody's white, so just yeah. in case you're wondering that part. But they do at least tell you things in the loading screens of like, oh, this is, you know, this town in the Bible that is modern day this uh, and tells you like a little more about the areas and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's at least some educational aspects to this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was interested in playing this because like this thing I remember hearing about ages ago and they're still saying it's maybe Q2 2023 for the full release. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't think that's going to happen if that's in the state that this is in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's sort of an interesting idea that I was interested in seeing how it goes. So uh, yeah, that's I Am Jesus Christ Prologue. It's free. It's on Steam. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can check it out. Just be aware that it's going to probably be very, very buggy, very performance uh, uh, lacking in performance. There's not much in the way of options for tuning things. So, yeah, that's uh, that's that. Uh, other games I'm playing, just some older stuff. Uh, I've been playing some Fire Emblem Three Houses. Uh, kind of just playing it while I got some downtime while I'm doing laundry and that. Uh, so. Well, about six or seven hours into that right now, so mm-hmm. enjoying it. But man, there's a lot of talking and between fight stuff to do 
uh, I picked up like a bunch of lost items, and I'm like, I don't know who the hell any of these go to. <laughs> I just, I just have to like talk literally to everybody and be like, "Is this yours?" And most of them are like, "No." Why would you think that's me? And it's like I don't know. It says somebody who's tall. There's, there's at least a handful of those people, mm. and who the hell knows where I could find any of them? Uh, at least the map. Uh, once you go to some of these areas, you can warp around, mm. but it's still a lot of time to do that, and then also do some fishing and farming and eating with people to raise their spirits and all that kind of stuff. So you try and do all the uh, upgrading of their abilities and their stats and all that stuff. So mm. still enjoying it. Just there's a kind of a lot more persona ish stuff in this. Uh, so there's that. And Ranga League's the other thing, just been playing more of it, trying to get the, the last uh, thing I need. Uh, I need the last like currency bit so I have the next battle pass unlocked essentially mm-hmm. and that's been pretty much it for me so how about you Brandon well uh, pretty much my I've, I've started playing some other primarily my game has been still mostly around vampire survivors and one of the things I mentioned last time is how like how many layers are in this game that they've managed to continue peel back very slowly like stuff that you previously would not expect to be there that they then add later on and one of those things happened so one of the uh, I can't remember if it's the fourth or fifth stage it's essentially a bonus stage more or less that is underwater and which is fine um, you know they, they give you like a huge clump of like all kinds of things you can get to start off with just so you can get more points and stuff um but what's weird is so one of the things you have to know about is that when you play the bonus stages you pretty much at least very much starting out you're only going to be able to go through them for 15 minutes because when the 15 minute heart mark hits uh the red death which is in this case literally a red colored uh Grim Reaper comes and basically insta kills you. Um now there are por- parts like supposedly there are ways where you can get stronger and actually can kill the Grim Reaper, but with the bonus ones that's at at the moment where I'm playing that's impossible. But what's weird is this particular uh bonus stage once it hits the 15 minute mark That's actually not what ended up happening. What ended up happening is I started to slowly get attacked by these weird, what look like eyeball creatures. And then what happened is like bigger eyeball creatures came and then swirling around the stage and the stage started to turn red and started to like rotate. And then I get transported to this weird, like linear level where. It's like a castle hallway floating in the middle of a red sky. And hovering around it, there, this thing that uh, the game actually refers to it as the Maddener or the Maddening. And it's essentially a gold colored uh, Grim Reaper wielding a scepter. And it basically launches like angelic looking enemies at you. And. The goal of this particular part of the game is you're trying to get through 
this hallway, which, you know, it curves and is crooked and everything, get to it before um, the Maddener kills you. Uh, and the reason, the way you're able to fight him is at the very end uh, of this hallway, well, towards the end of this hallway, uh, is a rosary, which is the, uh, anybody who's ever played a Castlevania game remembers what the rosary does. It's basically a smart bomb, essentially. And it acts the same way in Vampire Survivors. And what it ends up doing is it unmasks the maddening, the maddener, because at this point he looks like a weird, like, hourglass thing with wings. And then it unmasks him and shows him as, you know, the golden reaper. And then after he's gone, you get a chance to go a little further down this sort of invisible walkway and get this item that's called the yellow sign, which is literally a reference to the king in yellow. Um, and what that getting that particular item does is it reveals like new things that you can get in the previous stages, like new uh, items that you can pick up, some of which can help, some of which don't. But it also causes you to end up getting attacked by these creatures that I, it's really weird to, to describe them, but they're essentially like these creatures with masks wearing yellow capes. I don't know what they're called yet. It's really eerie. It is so odd. This game starts off as like a very like sort of one stick pseudo shooter and then it turns into a freaking creepypasta game. <laughs> it's so weird. Um but it's still one hundred percent fun and worth playing. Um other than that, I'm also playing Metal Hell Singer, um, which, you know, is on Game Pass now. And essentially, Metal Hell Singer is Doom Eternal with a rhythm element, uh, rhythm game element. Uh, you are essentially playing a demon, the unknown, who is trying to go through the various levels of hell to get back their voice. Um, and the way the game is played is it's a, it's a first-person shooter, you know, like Doom. But it's a rhythm game at the same time because every action that you take in this game goes by the rhythm of the song that's in the background. And as you can expect from a game called Metal, all of the music is heavy metal. And it features like, uh, you know, singers from well-known heavy metal bands, including the guy from System of Down. Uh, he's in there. Um, and essentially all the enemies that you uh, they glow and pulsate with the beat. And the idea is you're trying to attack them on the beat. So if you attack them on the beat, they'll get hit with greater damage. Um, if you don't, then it's kind of just a pithy attack. Um, and a lot of times you can also like also attack them afterwards to like get health back, sort of like with the way that you know, Doom Eternal does. Um, it's a lot of fun. It can be very infuriating, though, because if you were born without rhythm, uh, it is very difficult to do. But it's very entertaining. And lastly, uh, I started up a game that was recently uh, released for um, Game Pass, which is Eastward. I played a little bit of this game on my PC, but essentially what it is is it's, uh, Earthbound Legend of Zelda, I think, is the best way to describe it. Um, you're this playing this guy named, guy named John who lives in this underground village whose job is a digger. He's a, he's a miner, literally, who 
you know, digs for minerals that are then used to help this town. Um, he also is in charge of getting rid of slugs, which in this case are these giant slug creatures that can kill you. Um, and he uses like a frying pan as his main weapon. Um, and he has this little girl named Sammy that he adopted, sort of lives with you and claims to have seen, you know, what the topside world looks like. And you end up chasing her into it. Um, but uh, there's like a lot of intrigue. I who mayor of this town is trying to convince people that there's nothing topside but death. And then these two people who were not from the village somehow managed to mine their way into the city. And it just kind of gets crazier from there. But it's actually a really good game. Um, I highly recommend it. But uh, yeah, that's what I've been playing. So, Dan, what about you? Yeah, uh, it's been a while since I've been on the show. So I've been playing a bunch of stuff here and there. Um, but it's primarily been featuring um, God of War Ragnarok. Um, I know it came out a couple weeks ago, one of the biggest pieces of the year. And I want to say I'm, I'm about halfway through. I'm about 12 mm-hmm. hours in. And um, it's finally gotten to a point where, okay, cool. I'm starting to see all of um, Atreus's teen angst. But it's also um, interesting seeing how the plot forces you to use um, Atreus on his own. So, yeah, obviously I don't want to go into too much about what he can do. But mm-hmm. um, using Atreus so far has been pretty cool. Um, he, he it, it makes the game like more of a hack and slash because he, ha- he has like... Uh, sort of a blade of his has his bow and arrow so it's kind of like using Aloy in that regard so um, yeah. I'm really on that and like yeah the scope in God of War Ragnarok is absolutely insane um obviously like the game can, can definitely be linear but you have the options of doing the side quests whenever you want and um it's just crazy seeing like how much detail um is put into every single one of these worlds and it's something that we're used to seeing with Sony by now especially you know, with their recent releases of Spider-Man and Horizon, but God of War is just on a totally different level, and mm-hmm. I am definitely enjoying this a lot more than I have uh, the previous game. Um, I just wish I had more time because, like, but whenever I have time to play it, it's like past midnight, and like I, I get sleepy around an hour in. But um, like I said, um, I think I'm around halfway through. Um, but it's also really easy to get caught up in all the side quests and stuff. Um, and then the next big game I've been playing has been Pokemon Scarlet. Uh, this game mm. has been taking away a lot of uh, the time I'd otherwise dedicate to God of War Ragnarok, and that's because it's just so damn good. Um, if you haven't been like reading anything about Pokemon Scarlet, you'd know that the game uh, and Violet is being uh, plagued by all sorts of bugs and bad performance. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm somebody who's um you know kind of used to that, especially as someone that's like you know followed Nintendo throughout the years and doesn't really care. But man, does this game chug! Um, mm. I have a uh, switch oled and i primarily play the game in handheld and yeah the performance is still pretty damn terrible like um i'm walking through this town where they have a lot of windmills and the windmills are moving like they're just 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 badly animated like the the frames per second like probably dip all the way down 10 um it's that bad but at the same time this is also like the most intriguing pokemon game i've ever played and we don't even have to go uh, that far back to you know, uh, to the last time where I said this, because um, Pokemon Legends Arceus pretty much changed the game in that way. And the crazy part was when they first unveiled Scarlet and Violet, like we weren't expecting a mainline Pokemon game so soon, even though it, it is time. And, you know, when you're looking at those previews, 
it's like, oh man, they're finally giving us the best of both worlds. And the messed up thing is this game is exactly that. Like everything that I could have ever wanted, other than the fact that the game is not a massively multiplayer online game, is mm. is, is there. Like, you know, uh, the game is completely open world. Uh, as soon as you start the game, yeah, you have a bit of a tutorial phase. But once you get through that hour, like, yeah, the, the hand-holding is... It, it's sort of there, but at the same time, they aren't forcing you to go anywhere. So it kind of takes sort of a uh, Persona, Hogwarts, you know, Fire Emblem, Three Houses kind of um, uh, kind of direction because you're a student at this school, and this school is in the middle of the region. So you can always go back and do lessons and whatnot. I personally haven't done that because I, I don't I don't find it that interesting. Um, but the fact that you know I can go to any gym in any um, order I want is pretty cool. And, you know, I started off just by going to the farthest one possible to see if I'd regret it. And, yeah, I kind of do. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a level 20. Uh, I have a bunch of Pokemon on level 20, and I'm fighting a whole bunch of 40s. And, yeah, I'm getting my ass kicked. But um, there's just a, a whole bunch of stuff to do. So aside from having the eight gym badges, you also have um, these Titan badges that you can get by just beating all these Titan Pokemon. And uh, this is actually where the real main part of the story um, kind of happens because whenever you get a Titan badge, uh, you unlock an ability for this Pokemon that you have to ride around the open world. Um, and it's funny because this Pokemon actually has wheels, but you never actually see the wheels turn, so it's, it's pretty hilarious in that regard. And then you also have Team Star. At least I think they're called Team Star. They're pretty much the uh, Team Rocket in the game, and they have a pretty good story in their own right, too. Um, usually the antagonists uh, actually give you most of the story in this Pokemon game. The case of this one is that they've all been bullied, and being bullied caused them to become bullies themselves. And you eventually infiltrate their bases and fight them in sort of a uh, real-time strategy uh, MOBA sort of way. So it's kind of a different way to play Pokemon, but uh, it's, it's definitely a nice wrench to uh, throw in there. And when you eventually like get to the main boss, you have a regular Pokemon battle, and all of a sudden, when they get to their final one... They just bring out this truck and it just goes Mad Max on you and it's like totally um insane and the the battles are actually pretty difficult too because they have you know quite a bit of HP to take out and you know you don't know how strong your pro blind and um yeah it's 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 just been really really enjoyable um I probably have around like probably as many hours as I have with um God of War Ragnarok um I have three badges each and each of my Pokemon are um pushing uh, level forty and yeah. Like, you know, if you follow Pokemon, three badges is not halfway through. You know, you got to get eight to get to the to the Elite Four. So I don't know what level I'll be by the time I get to that point. But um, I'm, I'm really enjoying all the time I'm playing into the game, despite all of the bugs and stuff. Like, it's insane. If if this game didn't have all the bugs, I would. this would probably be my game of the year. Like, you know, mm. where we're, we're at, where we're at. Yeah, I've been playing a whole um, bunch of these Switch games, too, just because I've, I've been traveling a little bit. Uh, I started Mario and Rabbid Sparks of Hope. Um, and the game so far is definitely more enjoyable than um, the previous one. Um, although mm. I have to, I didn't, I didn't finish the previous one. Uh, yeah, uh, this game is, you know, it's it's basically the same real time strategy that the original one was, except you have more, um, uh, you have more uh, of an exploration factor. You can actually explore all of the hub worlds uh, just by actually controlling, you know, uh, Mario and everyone, and you can. Uh, choose to use anybody in your party, whether it be, you know, Mario, Luigi, Peach, or 
even the rabid versions of them. And yeah, it's, it's definitely really enjoyable, um, making me think. And it's definitely a fun thing to play in, in, in quick bursts to, uh, to do around the open worlds. Uh, still playing Bayonetta 3. Um, it's one of those games where you have to be completely dialed in, and um, I'm not. But um, I'm, I've definitely been making progress here and there. Uh, not as much as I would like, but I'm, I'm definitely still enjoying the game. And it does, unfortunately, still suffer from uh, similar problems that you'd see other big uh, games struggle on with the Switch. And um, yeah, it makes you wonder whether Nintendo is going to make a uh, upgrade to the Switch soon, because you know, with uh, Zelda and probably even bigger releases coming up soon, you wonder um, whether the hardware can even take what they want to do with it. And uh, it's, it's, it's really unfortunate to see. Um, also on the Switch, I've, played, I've been playing the Oregon Trail. Uh, this is a port that I believe was also on uh, Apple Arcade. And if you've played it on, you know, the Mac and old computers back then, it's really it's the same game, except it's uh, more. It, it's definitely in full color. So, you know, it, it has that going for it. It's nice seeing all of the uh, little stories that each of the people that you uh, recruit to your recruit on your adventure um, do. So, yeah, um, Oregon Trail is definitely a good um, uh, a good look at history from uh, traveling from one part of the United States to the other. Uh, as a matter of finding the promised land. And uh, the last game I've been playing is Goodbye World. Uh, this mm. is a really, really short experience that we showed at the last indie uh, presentation. Um, this is sort of a, uh, it's a narrative uh, semi-arcade adventure. Um, primarily it's, it's narrative though. You basically uh, see the story of uh, an indie development team, an indie mm. game development team where one guy is a developer, sorry, one girl is a developer, and then the other girl is an artist. And, you know, they, they uh, struggle as uh, students to eventually make a game. And then, um, you know, time, time runs its course and the one person doesn't have the, the passion to make a game anymore. And, you know, they, they, they're, they're no longer the same friends that they once were. And in between each of, each of these chapters is um, a side-scrolling game. You play it on, like, sort of a Game Boy. It has Game Boy graphics. And it's it, it's a platformer, you know, not, not unlike Super Mario Land, except there's some puzzles um, solving involved. And each of the um, sections where you play in this uh, retro game uh, is really really broken. And that's actually part of the narrative because you know this person is struggling to make the, the best game that they could. And then once you actually finish the narrative story, the game is complete, and you can go through the entire game from like you know chapters one through I believe you know six or ten, something like that. And the game is a whole lot more playable because um, so what happens is um, you have your, th- your three lives um, in this retro game. And then after you, you die those three times, the game just continues and tells its story. So you aren't actually meant to complete every level. At least I believe that's the case because you can just die and then you know, just have it go on. And then once you complete the actual story, you can actually play that whole game. So it's definitely a pretty cool... Um, Way to go about that. It's an interesting story. I don't know if I would spend. I believe it's the, I believe it's twenty dollars to have the experience. But mm. you know, once it dips to like uh, five, ten, I definitely recommend it there. And um, yeah, that's been about it. All right. All right. Let's get to some news. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, we'll start here with your subscription games for the month. Uh, we'll start here with PlayStation Plus uh, for their monthly games, the essential. Uh, games here uh they are kicking off with three titles here uh one of them here is a new title divine knockout founders edition for the ps4 yeah. and ps5 uh which is 
uh, as they call it, a platform fighter, mm-hmm. but it's third person behind the back uh, kind of viewpoint. So you kind of get that uh, little bit of a action, but uh, it's sort of a different viewpoint that is kind of neat. Uh, there's a PlayStation blog post sort of detailing more about the game if you want to see that. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, that'll be available here on uh, the 6th. Uh, let's see. Next up here for the PS4, Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, the collection of uh, Mass Effect Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3 with yep. most of the DLC. Uh, it's pretty much all and- of it. It's all one that they didn't include. Uh, was honestly pretty inconsequential. Yeah. Uh, they remastered and sort of remade uh, chunks of this game, uh, improving yeah. a lot of visuals and all that kind of stuff to make it look uh, better for uh, 4K. Yeah, they pretty much remade Mass Effect. Around. Um, all, of the, all of the character models have been All the graphics have been updated. If some of them have been made are completely new, um, some of the graphics that they use for the Citadel are completely new. So, yeah, yeah. It's, they basically the the game is worth the the Mass Effect One version all on its own. So, yeah, yeah, definitely a lot of bang for your buck there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you haven't played it yet, uh, yeah, the third game, Bio Mutant for the PS4 and PS5. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a very weird open world action game, yeah, of sorts where you make your own like mutant creature, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, and use that to, I guess, go around and cause chaos. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Uh, three pretty interesting games. Bio Mutant is definitely a weird one. Uh, had that one for uh, review when that came out, and it was it was tough to you know try to get through, and I eventually gave up. But you know, basically. The cool part is that you can create, you know, your your avatar and your character in just about any way you want to. But then, like, when you choose what kind of um, fighter he is, whether he'd be, like, you know, an adventurer with a sword or with a bow and arrow or stuff like that, um, it doesn't really give you the stats to really, you know, make a point because you can just fight any way you want. And it's, like, easy and at the same time just repetitive. And, like, that's sort of its own diagram. So, you know, if you want a good, like, C-rate game, um, you know, especially because you're being free, uh, it's not one there, but it's not one I'm paying for. But yeah, uh, definitely a good month overall, uh, especially when you consider, you know, uh, Mass Effect and uh, that new uh, 3D fighter. But yeah. Yeah, so a lot of value there. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we go over to Games with Gold, where it's just two games again. Yep. Uh, first one here, Colt Canyon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe this is sort of a side-scrolling shooter mm-hmm. of sorts. Um, oh, good. Well, let me see the screenshots. <laughs> log in. So, yeah, cool with that. Uh, yeah, it's a Western game. Uh, see here, filled with hidden treasures, weapons, danger, and bloodthirsty scum. Shoot your way through and maybe blow a few things up with TNT along the way. With a spaghetti Western soundtrack coming in the background. I'm sure mm-hmm. that one's not too bad. Uh and then the uh, Cool Canyon is available now, December 1st to the 31st. Bladed Fury is the second title, available starting on December 16th. Uh, that one is from PM Studios. Uh, yeah, classic 2D action game based on Chinese mythology with an accompanying 
traditional art style and sound design. So yeah, kind of one of those uh, indie action game kind of things. Probably mm-hmm. decent, but yeah, nothing really too flashy here. Uh, very much seems like Games with Gold is kind of just going for the cheapest stuff they can get. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I thought the PlayStation works, but at the same time, you know, as we'll get into, uh, there's a lot of stuff. Coming. Yeah, uh, let's see. We got Game Pass here for the first half of the month, uh, mm. which has a bit more stuff there. Uh, stuff that's available now, uh, there is Eastward, as Brandon was talking about. Uh, yep. That's kind of a, a game influenced by Earthbound. Yeah. Uh, a good bit. Uh, very weird and all that kind of stuff, so... There's that as console and PC, uh, The Walking Dead, the final season, console and PC. They've been kind of adding these seasons here over the past few months. So there's the latest one there. So you can finish it if you want to. Uh, Let's see, for PC, as well as Totally Reliable Delivery Service. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is one of those weird physics sandbox games Mm -hmm. uh, where you're kind of a delivery person trying to find a way to get packages across the map to whoever needs them, mm. uh, whether by vehicle or flying uh, like a helicopter kind of thing or something. You can bring friends in to do all that kind of stuff. So there you go for that. Uh, that's it for the stuff that's available now. Mm. Uh, stuff that's coming up here on December 6th, console and PC, there's Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga. Uh, the latest of those games that has content from every uh, one of the mainline games or the mainline movies. Uh, so you can check that out. Uh, let's see also December 6th, there's hello neighbor Two console and PC. Uh, that is sort of a stealth horror game, but kid friendly uh, in a way. So that series is like super popular with children. Oh yeah. Uh, so there you go for that. Uh, December 8th, there's chained echoes console and PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, what is this? It doesn't really describe it. It says, the three kingdoms have been fighting for centuries. Peace seems to be no option, yet a magical weapon of mass destruction leads to a fragile one, one which won't last. Uh, prepare yourself for an adventure in a world full of wonders, magic, mechs, charming characters, airships, and vicious foes. Uh, so, there you go. Mm-hmm. The RPG-ish kind of thing. Uh, let's see. For Xbox One only, Metal Hellsinger, December 8th. Yeah. I guess they're finally getting older versions of that game out there mm-hmm. uh, for Metal Hell Singer, so people with uh, an Xbox One can finally play it without having to stream it. Uh, so there you go. Uh, this is December 13th, High on Life finally releases, console and PC. Uh, that's another Justin Roiland game uh, where you have, you're kind of a, a bounty hunter or something going around shooting at people with your guns, but the guns can talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the weird thing is I think in the initial trailers you just see the one gun that is very much Justin Roiland uh, mm-hmm. but I believe he has other guns that are voiced by other people Yeah, uh, maybe it's still some of the same writing but at least a different cadence and uh, style to them so yeah. there you go that'll be something you can play console and PC uh, December 13th console and PC Potion Craft Mm-hmm. Uh, that is an alchemist simulator where you physically interact with your tools and ingredients to brew potions. 
Uh, you're full control of the whole shop. Inventing recipes, attract customers, and experiment to your heart's content. Mm. Uh, just remember the whole town is counting on you. I don't know why that is, but okay. On December 15th, Rainbow Billy, The Curse of the Leviathan. Uh, yeah, console and PC. It's like a 2.5D adventure platformer kind mm-hmm. of thing to it. Uh, a bit of RPG elements to it, so kind of one of those. So there you go. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, it for the most part here. Uh, yeah, there's also Need for Speed Unbound, the early access trial with EA Play. You can check out. Uh, so some nice stuff there. Yeah, uh, d- definitely a really strong month overall. Um, the mm-hmm. highlights are definitely um, Eastward. That's actually a game that I've been waiting to uh, have on sale on the Switch, but now I don't have to pay for it. So there's the, um, High on Life is obviously one of the big releases for December. And then the other big one for me is um, Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, because I was looking at that on Black Friday and was probably even going to buy it this week. And now I say I don't have to. So good stuff. The, the value of Xbox Game Pass is just unbeatable. Yep. So there you go for your early Game Pass stuff. Uh, but yeah, let's get to some dates for things. Yeah. Uh, first up here, Hindsight is out December 6th. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is for all the PlayStations, Xboxes. Uh, been out on Switch and PC and mobile for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is uh, another Annapurna Interactive game. Uh, narrative exploration game. Uh, that looks pretty neat. And yeah, you can... Get that here in a couple days. So, yeah, for the creator of Prune, which I don't have too much experience with that, but no. uh, narrative exploration game spanning the entirety of a woman's life from birth to present day mm-hmm. as she tries to make sense of it all. I revisit her childhood home, sort through personal belongings, and step through windows to memories frozen in time. So, there you go. That sounds neat. Uh, also, out December 6th, Sky Children of Light. Uh, This has been out on Switch for a while, and then they finally announced it was coming to PS4. Uh, It is a free-to-play adventure game in the That game game company style. Mm -hmm. uh, As uh, they've made one here that is kind of more of a a live service thing. Uh, So that is neat. I've been looking forward to this. I have it on my Switch, but I never play it Mm -hmm. at any point. I just can only check if there's an update. It's like, oh, yeah, there's an update. I just proceed to never play it. Mm. So I uh, think I'll play that here uh, on PS4, my PS5. Mm. I'd have uh, a bit easier time to access it. Yeah. So, yeah. There you go. That's another game to check out this week. Mm-hmm. That one's free to play. So uh, also coming up here, starting on December 6th, ID at Xbox Winter Game Demo Event is happening. Uh, they're going to have demos for over 20 games, they're saying. Uh, let's see, they only have a couple uh, confirmed right now. Inkul and Naughty, uh, Rhythm Sprout, Thirsty Suitors, and Tin Hearts. Uh, Thirsty Suitors is the new game from Outer Loop Studios. It's kind of a, uh, what if you were playing a uh, Indian person who is dealing with their family as they're going through their life? Yeah. Uh, you know, making romantic decisions and then having their parents question them and going into like a legit fight kind of yeah. comic style fight over their decisions, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Uh, just playing that out in a fun way. I think rhythm sprout is like a rhythm RPG kind of game mm-hmm. uh, to that. 
Tin Hearts is a puzzle adventure game. And Inculinati is a strategy game. Oh, that's the one that has the uh, kind of medieval art style to it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I see what that is. Yeah, it's straight from medieval manuscripts. So yep. that looks neat. So yeah, some nice stuff there. Uh, if you have an Xbox, you'll be able to check that stuff out mm-hmm. for about a week or so. Uh, let's see, what is up next here? Oh yeah, Neon White is finally coming to a new platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's coming to PS4 and PS5 on December 13th. Uh, so that uh, people that want a very, very weird genre mashup of uh, some cool style of games uh, with like Persona style, uh, I don't know about romance stuff, but hanging out with people, doing stuff for them, giving them gifts, all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. uh, with a very uh, leaderboard focused kind of first person shooter platformer mm-hmm. thing where your guns are represented by cards as you can use them to shoot or use them for their platforming abilities that they provide you mm-hmm. uh, that kind of thing uh, so that looks really cool uh, should work pretty well yeah they'll have gyro support mm-hmm. with the dual sense uh, all that kind of stuff so yeah it looks neat uh, they'll be out yep. here. Definitely a huge uh, get for uh, the PS4 and PS5. Uh, I've been playing it a lot on my uh, Switch, and it actually performs pretty well on Switch. And I don't, I'd, I'd only imagine that it was definitely a huge release here. This one is probably going to make my top ten of the year. So looking forward to. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because the thing I've heard from people that have played the Switch is like maybe the control stuff's not as great as they would like it. Uh, maybe better with like a mouse or something like that. Uh, considering how drift and all that can affect things on the Switch. Uh, so, I mean, it, it is on PC too. So. Yeah, that's where I have it. Uh, not everybody has a good PC. Uh, so, yeah, let's see here. Uh, we got some dates for early next year because it's December and that means January's next month. Yep. As weird as that seems right now. Uh, but we got a couple dates here Vengeful Guardian, Moonrider. Uh, this is yeah, game from Joy Masher. This is very much like a game that is paying homage to uh, a bunch of like Genesis uh, action mm-hmm. games where uh, you are playing this like samurai, I think, demon infested samurai. I don't know mm. what the main character specifically is, but it's a lot of like contra hardcore style stuff to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit of some of the other action games out there. I'm trying to think what they they were called, but yeah, it looks really neat. Uh, so it looks like a. Uh, I don't think we had a. I don't think we had one of these kind of games launched this year early on. I think it was. Uh, uh, what was the the Cyber Ninja game from 2021? Cyber Shadow. Yeah. Yeah. So that was. Again, they started off that year pretty well, and so yeah. this one will get one uh, 2023 will. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Something to keep an eye on. Uh, this is the studio behind Oniken, Odalis, and Blazing Chrome. So Blazing Chrome is very much a Contra Hardcore type of game, so they're mm-hmm. very much continuing that uh, with the, some of the stuff in this and as well as other games. So mm. they'll kick your ass as much as you want it to. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, the Bigger surprise 
coming January 20th, 2023, Monster Hunter Rise was finally announced for PlayStation and Xbox. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be uh, 40 bucks at launch. So that's great. Uh, they said the Sunbreak expansion is going to be coming out sometime next spring. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else here? It'll be on Game Pass for console and PC for next month. Uh, so you don't necessarily have to put down money to check it out on Xbox, at least. Mm. Uh, but yeah, they do mention having, let's see, DualSense adaptive trigger support, uh, all the 3D audio stuff, uh, and all that. Uh, so, yeah, that looks pretty neat. I was kind of wondering when this would happen, because it seemed to make a lot of sense, considering it's on PC, so it does have plenty of support for better hardware mm-hmm. than the Switches, and... You know, they're not putting out the sequel to World anytime soon, so why not sell that on the other consoles? And I'm guessing some exclusivity exclusivity deal with uh, Nintendo ended here that allowed mm-hmm. them to bring it over. Yeah, I mean, Monster Hunter Rise was one of the best uh, games on the Switch last year. Still is. Mm. Probably going to be even better. On the- yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's exciting. This game deserves to be played by more people. It's Mm-hmm. Done really well on the Switch, and I imagine it'll do really well on the the other consoles where there's a bunch of people that played World, and that's what got them into the series. Uh, so yeah, there you go. And that's it for the dates. Uh, do we have a couple delays here? Disney mm-hmm. Storm was delayed to 2023 because uh, it's December now, and they don't seem to be anywhere close to getting it out. So they said, "Hey, don't expect it this year." Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be on everything, but yeah, they said. Uh, here, we've been working diligently to craft an amazing racing experience for Disney Speedstorm, capturing our vision of the exciting magic fans uh, magic fans enjoy in their Disney and Pixar characters and games. When fans not only entertain, but to enjoy a fast-paced competitive racing experience, they will return to for uh, years to come. Mm. And yeah, they say they're pushing it. Uh, it had a beta sometime earlier this year, uh, but they are planning to launch it at some point uh, next year, but they promising more updates on how the game is doing yeah. here early in the next year. So I think it's going to launch in like an early access kind of state. Uh, but yeah, it must not have been ready at all for anytime soon. Yeah. I think that one is um, one of the last things or that was shown on the PlayStation reveal that hasn't. Yeah. But yeah, they definitely, do not want to fuck that one up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, there you go for that. That'll be a free-to-play when it launches as well. Mm. I don't know if they're going to do like the other Disney game where they have a Founders Edition at the pay-in to get in early, but I uh, want we'll to see. That'll probably be something they talk about at some point when they get closer to launch. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, speaking of games nobody was really expecting here anytime soon, goodbye Volcano High. Uh, they announced that they have officially delayed it to summer 2023. Yeah. Uh, that is PS5, PS4, and PC. Yeah. Uh, that was a game that was initially delayed because they had some sort of big issues going on, so they had to do a big reboot of the game. Yeah. And then apparently uh, COVID got in the way, too. So. Yeah. But, yeah, that's a game that's been sort of in the works for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did do did uh, put out a new teaser trailer uh, to go out with this. So let people see that like the game's doing all right. 
Mm-hmm. I can definitely see some stylistic differences. Yeah. Uh, or the UI stuff for uh, when you're making dialogue choices. So mm-hmm. let's go. They're making taking the time they need. Yeah. The game that has some some cool ideas to it. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad that they actually said something because they basically gone dark for like a while. And yeah, they actually said, yeah, we're still around. We're still working on it. And uh, we got a new, you know, period to work. You know, time, we got a new uh, time period we're aiming for it. So. Yeah. So, yeah. That'll be another game to look forward to next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, one that did come out in a pretty rough state, as Dan was talking about earlier, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet uh, came out with plenty of issues, uh, bugs and all that, and performance issues uh, that I don't think are necessarily the Switch's issues, but more probably uh, the Pokemon engine they've been using. Mm-hmm. That they, for whatever reason, didn't put as much investment into upgrading that for these new games. Because uh, there are plenty of open world games out on the Switch that look a lot better. Yeah. Uh, you know, Xenoblade Chronicles and uh, Breath of the Wild and some of that kind of stuff out there. So, uh, But they did put out their first big updates uh, to tackle some of the bugs and such. Uh, and also put a note in there saying, Our goal is always to give players a positive experience with our games. And we apologize for the inconvenience. We take the feedback from players seriously and are working on improvements to the game. Yeah. Which is a rare time that Nintendo apologizes for the state a game comes in. Yeah. Because uh, there have been other games they've put out that have been rough mm-hmm. and they never say anything. Yeah. Uh, like that uh, second Hyrule Warriors game. It's definitely a total, uh, out of the left field for Nintendo to do this sort of thing. And we know what's even more surprising is the fact that um, as far as like the Pokemon company goes, um, you don't really speak for them. Um, the Pokemon Company is like this weird entity that is just there to pretty much like you know manage that IP. Uh, mm-hmm. But at the same time, they don't really follow the same rules and regulations that Nintendo imposes on all their property. Like you know, you're having mobile games, merchandise being released left and right. Yeah. And at the same time, it's like you know they're they've pretty much helped make Game Freak go on the map. Um, obviously, like there's no company like them that does what they do. But at the same time, like, you know, just, just seeing the way that um, Scarlet and Violet is struggling with these bugs, it makes me uh Iwata were still around. Because, like, one of the um, uh, one of the stories that resonates with me um, in regards to, like, you know, what he's done for the industry was when Pokemon Gold and Silver uh, were going to be released, it was, like, ten times the size it was going to be. And Iwata just, like, figured out some sort of thing to you know, just um, make it available on, on on the current cartridges it, it runs on. And, you know, it just makes me wonder if, like, if they had, like, that kind of mind uh, at, at, at Game Freak still. Um, you know, I'm not saying there's no bad minds there. And uh, Pokemon has grown to a point where I think Nintendo should really consider um, getting Pokemon Company to allocate some of their assets over to other Nintendo studios, such as, like, you know, like you mentioned, like Xenoblade Chronicles 3, as big as as it is, doesn't uh, doesn't suffer from the same sort of flaws that this game does, and uh, yeah, like Pokemon is supposed to be one of Nintendo's most important franchises. So, if you're gonna put put something out that's like this bad performing, you know, um, they gotta figure that out. But at the same time, it makes you wonder if they really will, because you know, as of last week, this was the highest or the fastest selling Pokemon in existence. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. There's no reason not to have enough money to do the upgrades and such to their tech. Uh, Nintendo hasn't really skimped on that for many of their games uh, that they're funding and all that. So, yeah, it's kind of a... Not really a surprise, but still kind of a surprise that they're not letting them invest that money back into their tech in any way. But, yeah, I'm sure we'll see more updates to this game as they continue working on... Uh, bugs and performance and that kind of stuff. Uh, hopefully we get that sooner rather than later. Uh, but yeah, other news here. Fuser is being delisted. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's being uh, yeah, it's being delisted, and they're shutting down the network part of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the multiplayer and its uh, DLC will be taken down as well. Yeah. Uh, this is just over two years after it launched back mm-hmm. on the... PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Uh, definitely, and that'll be happening on December 19th here, so mm-hmm. about two more weeks until that happens. It's a big disappointment. You'll still be able to play the game, but all just local uh, with whatever DLC you purchase. But yeah, they stopped putting out DLC a few months ago, so it seemed to not be a great sign. Uh, and yeah, this uh, this is another thing that like Epic is involved in, because NCSoft is the publisher so imagine at a certain point, the amount of money coming in was not worth it to support continued development for the game. Uh, that would be nice if Epic came in and just, you know, bought NCSoft out of this. Yeah. And sort of said, here you go, you got infinite money thanks to Fortnite. Kind of keep working on this game, much like they're doing with Rock Band 4. Because uh, that's a really cool game. Uh, kind of DJ kind of game where you're mixing in these different... Uh, instrument tracks from these different songs together to see what sort of cool stuff you can make or whatever nightmarish stuff you can make out of it uh, that is kind of a, a very unique kind of game that you pretty much would only see out of somebody like uh, Harmonix. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, unfortunately that seems like that's not enough for NCSoft, so they're having it all shut down. So yeah. Grab a copy if you're still interested in this. Yeah. Because uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to be going on sale or anything beforehand, uh, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Very much so. Very unfortunate. But... Yep. Uh, let's see. Sonic Frontiers is a game that seems to have done okay, at least. I haven't seen anything out of Sega saying like it's done amazingly well. Uh, or have I heard anything that's like, oh, it's the worst-selling Sonic game ever or anything, oh, yeah. so so you guys are doing just fine for what it is. The week too, so. Yeah, uh, but yeah, they have announced three big update packs uh, for their content roadmap for next year. Uh, let's see, first one here has a jukebox mode, uh, probably for playing whatever Sonic music you want throughout it, a dedicated photo mode, and as well as new challenge modes. Uh, for that, uh, update two, probably coming out in June-ish. Uh, one of the, the notes there is Sonic's birthday. Uh, so some Sonic birthday thing there. Uh, speed or Open zone challenge. And new Cocoa, which Cocoa are like the Karak seeds in Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. Except they're little weird stone children mm-hmm. that just hang around uh, wherever. And you just hear like kids making noises. Uh, uh-huh. You can go collect them and turn them into a dude to get 
uh, speed bonus stats. So I guess they're going to add more of those things to collect. Uh, and then the third update is listed as playable characters and new story. So some sort of new content to the game uh, that is going to be added then. Uh, but I guess before the end of this year, they're adding a free holiday cheer suit DLC for Sonic to support uh, a, Santa, a Santa outfit. Mm-hmm. Uh, as he's running around the island, that seems like that'll be out December 21st. So there'll be something here before the end of the year. But it seems like they're at least going to support this game for a while with some new stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to be anything good, but they're at least putting new stuff into it. So that is uh, good news if you've gotten that game or are thinking about getting it. So mm-hmm. there you go. And we talked about this on Let's Weekend, but I figured we also should talk about it here. Uh, there's a new official trailer for the Super Mario Brothers movie mm-hmm. uh, that is full of various scenes. It's kind of hard to decipher sort of how this all fits into an overall story. Yeah. Especially <laughs> if the, the rumored runtime of like 86 minutes is true, how you're going to have, you know, Mario Kart scenes and Luigi Mansion scenes and a mm-hmm. whole big thing with Donkey Kong. Uh, and even some, uh, a little bit of uh, Mario World kind of stuff with the the big bridge over the ocean as the uh, the fish are jumping at you, that kind of stuff. Uh, that yeah. certainly is going to have a lot of stuff in it. Uh, whether it makes any sense together, who knows? Mm. Uh, but yeah, that's looking neat. Seems like most of the voice acting sounds pretty good. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I, mean, uh, I know a lot, a lot of people have like their issues with um, Chris Pratt and his interpretation of Mario. But um, as I, I as I thought with the first trailer, like you know everything seems to be shaping up well as far as the animation. We got our first look at uh, Princess Peach, and like she looks uh, awesome as far as the animation goes. Uh, Anya Taylor Joy is adding a lot of personality to an otherwise really boring character so i'm looking forward mm-hmm. to that and um donkey kong had a redesign so yeah like it all looks pretty cool and yeah you you, you wonder how they'll really make sense of everything because it seems like they've put anything and everything into this movie um but you know i have a uh, pretty pretty high hopes for it um i'm someone that is relatively easy to entertain because i actually do enjoy the minions movie i like to sing and sing too a lot so as far as um, Illuminations, like uh, previous like resumes, these animated movies go, I'm looking forward to it. Mm. So yeah, you can check out the trailer if you haven't. Uh, the movie will be out April 7th, so got a ways to go before that is out. So we'll probably see at least one or two more trailers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, speaking of Nintendo, their Smash esports scene has just been given a bunch of chaos this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, as let's see the Smash World Tour was canceled. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was sort of an independent uh, esports tour. Uh, the event's organizers, Video Game Bootcamp, uh, took a shot at both Nintendo and Panda Global, who's, I believe, Panda Global is the only official tournament organizer at the moment. I guess they're, from reading some of this other stuff, they're open to others, but have not accepted anybody else as meeting their qualifications to become an official tournament organizer. Uh, So they put out a statement on Medium uh, saying that they have had to cancel 
their upcoming end of the world tour for this year uh, without any warning, despite the organizers being in contact with Nintendo for the past 12 months. Uh, they weren't licensed through Nintendo, so that apparently was uh, a big issue there. Right. Uh, and also pointing fingers at Panda Global CEO for his attempts to undermine the Smash World Tour by threatening it and other tournaments with cancellation, oh. as well as wanting exclusive broadcasting rights, essentially a monopoly on the uh, the Smash Brothers scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I think Nintendo was the next one to put out a statement saying, uh, let's see, uh, that the two parties, Nintendo and Video Game Bootcamp, just could come to an agreement on licensing. The company said it did not request any changes to our cancellation of remaining events in 2022, including the 2022 championship event. Uh seemed to suggest they, uh, that while they couldn't host any events in 2023, it could still finish this year's tournament considering the negative impact on the players who are already planning to participate if the event were to be canceled. Uh, then Smash World Tour uh, put out another statement uh, saying Nintendo's statement on how the two were unable to come to an agreement was bogus. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put out a Google Doc uh, expressing confusion over the company's backpedaling, saying that despite asking to run as an unlicensed event next year with the hopes of renegotiating a licensing agreement in 2024. The organizers were told those times are now over. Uh, video Game Bootcamp was also told that the special tour neither met expectation, expectations around health and safety guidelines nor adhered to internal partner guidelines. Nintendo wouldn't grant a license for the Smash World Tour Championship 2022 or any Smash World Tour activity in 2023. Uh, so there's that whole thing. Uh, especially they say that, you know, they put in a license application in April to no real response uh, for them. And so Smash fans started talking about being annoyed by this and planning to boycott Nintendo and Panda Global events. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Hopefully they weren't harassing people, but who knows? Uh, Nintendo then responded again, saying that it cares about Super Smash Brothers fans and its community very much. Uh, they explained their rationale behind declining this, saying it was solely based on our assessment of the proposal submitted by the Smash World Tour and our evaluation of their unlicensed activities. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they stated again that they did not want them to cancel the, the finals for this year because of the financial impact it would have on people already having flights and such in into wherever it's being held at. Uh, they also said it's open to partnering with other organizations for major events outside of Panda Global's Panda Cup. Panda Cup, as long as it meets the high standards we require, uh, which I'm guessing those requirements may also be to weed out most of the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that. Then Smash World Tour again uh, responded to this, saying they're struggling to understand why Nintendo contacted us at all last week if they truly wanted mm-hmm. us to continue operating. Uh, so more of that than Panda Global finally responds to this whole thing with a big statement uh, saying they were just as surprised as the public to both see both the Smash World Tour get canceled and video game boot camps attacks on the hard work and ethics of those behind the Panda Cup. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on here. I don't know where it's all going to go, but 
the Smash community, as far as esports stuff, has been in chaos for a long time. As Nintendo has famously not been too fond of esports stuff, mm-hmm. they didn't directly control it. And I'm guessing these sort of guidelines they had for potential partners was to continue maintaining that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it seems like only one company has been able to meet those, and just leads to uh, this other organization uh feeling like they've been i don't know screwed over by nintendo yeah and they were bragging about how they hold the hold tons of events uh around the world uh leading to a two hundred fifty thousand dollar event in the the championship event and yeah yeah, it's kind of seems like if nintendo were less uh picky about all this shit mm. uh, there would be no real issues here everybody would be able to have their fun times yep yeah I mean this this whole thing is just dumb like they're not asking for Nintendo and Nintendo for any money uh, I know that there's a whole lot of like you know uh, issues with licensing and all that they should be able to get on with that this is this is something for the gamers and this is just you know as as, as anti-consumer as it gets here these are just people mm. trying to have fun and run fun and all of a sudden, you have these guys trying to run the tournament, and they have to give, you know, refunds to everybody that signed up. They gotta somehow, like, you know, they're not gonna get refunds from the hotels or whatever who are hosting them. It's it's a, it's an absolute mess. And uh, you know, you would hope that Nintendo steps in in a positive way because they pretty much just screwed this company, and this company probably will cease to exist in a few months, and that's sad. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, some sort of thing happens, but knowing Nintendo. They're probably not going to bend over for any of this stuff and mm-hmm. lessen their requirements. So, yeah. as unfortunately the the business that comes with uh, doing esports around one of Nintendo's games, mm-hmm. for as much as there's a a rabid community that wants this kind of stuff to happen here, mm-hmm. uh, at the moment for the foreseeable future, there's just one company that's able to do them. Mm. Uh, but I've seen people talking about there being other stuff going on that maybe Nintendo would drop Panda Global themselves as well, but I don't know. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that, see if anything else happens. But yeah, that's been the big news there. Mm-hmm. And speaking of big news, we've had another uh, union vote at Activision Blizzard with Blizzard Albany's QA, mm-hmm. and they have officially voted to form the second union at Activision Blizzard. Yep. Uh, for the, the QA team there. Mm-hmm. As much as Activision Blizzard has tried to uh, stifle it and throw any sort of wrench into the, the machinery there mm-hmm. to cause chaos, but it seems like among the 18 staff eligible to vote, 14 voted in favor with one vote mm-hmm. disqualified and three more challenged by the employer. Mm-hmm. Uh, seems like that seems to suggest all, all of them voted for it in favor, yeah. uh, but one disqualified for some reason, and three more being challenged, which that's still 14 in favor officially. Mm-hmm. Uh, both sides have five days to file any objections to the, to the results. Mm-hmm. If neither objects, the group will go on to be represented by the Communications Workers of America and begin the tough process of bargaining with Activision Blizzard on its first contract over issues like pay, overtime, and health benefits. Uh, so that is great news. Yeah. Uh, hopefully it's not the last, especially at Activision. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, there you go. Great news. Mm-hmm. Two unions at Activision Blizzard. Uh, all because they are terrible. Mm-hmm. Especially to QA people. So there you go. Good news. Uh, but yeah, speaking of Activision Blizzard, Call of Duty is a big deal. Mm-hmm. So much so that the uh, U.S. Army was planning a bunch of marketing stuff around their yeah. games, uh, especially their esports stuff. Uh, yeah. That seems like they uh, pulled back in 2021, shortly after all of that uh, Activision Blizzard uh, sexual harassment discrimination stuff started coming out. Yeah. Uh, something that the U.S. Army knows plenty about. Uh, with their own issues on that stuff. And that seems to show that the some of the negative repercussions of allowing that kind of stuff to fester in their own company, uh, that they lost one of their biggest advertisers there who's planning to advertise a lot through Call of Duty and their esports stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, never mind the, the ickiness of all that. Yeah. Having the, the U.S. Army... Uh, try to appeal to younger people through a video game that works nothing like how mm-hmm. being in the U.S. Army does uh, for any of that stuff. We had the Army's marketing plan extended to Twitch itself, mm-hmm. some gaming media companies. Uh, $1 million was suggested to be spent on the streaming platforms HBCU Showdown Esports League. Through mm-hmm. a Twitch spokesperson confirmed to Kotaku that never ended up working with the army on any sponsorships. So there's like a lot of these plans that just fell through mm-hmm. uh, in their base form. But yeah, there's a lot of details here for other things. But uh, the main thing I wanted to point out is sort of how the all the shenanigans at Activision Blizzard sort of cost them a lot of money from the mm-hmm. the military, despite there probably being other ways they've gotten money from the military. So yeah. There you go. Just some more fun from Activision Blizzard. Uh, there you go. And then last up, we'll end up here with a, a few bits of news from uh, the Game Awards that will be happening here. Uh, Ed Boon has said that he will not be making any sort of NetherRealm Studios announcement at mm-hmm. the Game Awards. Uh, Mortal Kombat 11 was one of the bigger surprises from the year that they did that. I think it was like three or four years ago. Uh, so they're seemingly not going to, you know, repeat that here. Mm. As he put out a tweet basically saying, like, four years ago at the Game Awards, we managed to pull off a surprise announcement of MK11, which turned out great. Perhaps mm. too great, as many assumed we'd repeat that trick for our next game. Thank you for the anticipation, but we're not ready to announce the next NRS game yet. Which is cool, but also Ed Boon loves to troll people on Twitter. Uh, yeah, it's one of his favorite things is mm-hmm. acting like he's going to confirm things and then being like, nah, I'm just talking about this mm. uh, kind of thing. So maybe, but I don't think it seems like they are taking a bit of a different development strategy from their, uh, what they did most of last gen, which was just constantly pump out games. Uh, they seem to be taking their time with this next one, uh, which I think is assumed to be MK12. Uh, so, if that is the case, uh, hopefully they do a good job because MK11 was just rotten with microtransactions and all that stuff. Mm. Uh, especially having the the big vault uh, area that you could go through that was 
had randomized seeds so nobody could make a guide for where the best stuff was at to go unlock uh, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, there you go for that. Uh, I think the the other game announcement here is that 505 Games is teasing something for the show. Uh, they, let's see, they posted something on their Twitter. It's like an email to Jeff Keeley uh, of sorts, but only on Twitter saying, uh, your number one fan has left something in reception. Want to come and collect it and show a QR code in somebody's wallet. Uh, if you've, you know, went through that and scanned it, uh, lead to a website that is called Visit Rock City, R O C K A Y City, uh, which confirms the forthcoming reveal at the Game Awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, no idea exactly what it is, other than just a city waterfront at night. And it seems like it has some Epic Games Store logo on it, but no idea if that's just a temporary thing, if it'll be announced for anything else, but yeah. Mm. It also seems like Michael Madsen was part of this video. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's involved in whatever this is. So who knows? Something they'll announce, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing, if you're going to watch the show, uh, you probably want to keep an eye on the Steam stream for this. As if you can register for the show, or for the the contest on the Steam sites or the the Steam client, uh, there's a way to uh, register for this. Uh, they'll be giving away one Steam Deck every minute during the show, wow. so that's potentially up to like 180 or so, whatever, however long this is going to take. I think I looked it up. Last year's show was about three years, three hours or so, right. so. It could still be around that, though I think he's been saying that they've got a better pace to it this year, at least, so it might be a little bit shorter. Who knows? Uh, I know Dan was with me when we co-streamed that, and it was a very kind of slow show. Mm-hmm. Uh, did not seem to have a, a great pace to it, so mm-hmm. hopefully this year's will be better. But hey, you might be able to win a Steam Deck on the cheap before Christmas, so there you go. It's a way to go do that. And then the last bit of news is they have confirmed a date for Summer Game Fest for 2023. Uh, that'll be happening June 28th, or June 8th, 2023. Uh, they'll be having a big live kickoff show that will be on everything again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, not really too much else to say about that, but they are confirming that they are returning. Mm-hmm. I assume that'll be tied into E3 in some way since that's what new E3 is supposed to be, is like, oh, you got anything to do that could be games-related? We'll take it. We need stuff. We're not going to be like old E3 and just tell everybody to go the hell away. Uh, but yeah, that's your Game War tidbits. Uh, we'll be live-streaming the show. It'll be streaming about 7.30 Eastern Time, 4.30 Pacific on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so looking forward to that, seeing what announcements happen, but... Yeah, that'll do it for the show this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you to Brandon Dinner for joining this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be back next week with a new slate of news. If you enjoy the show, for you to let friends and family know that they should check it out and select strangers that will uh, give you nice happy holidays and not uh, stuff your stocking full of coal, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, thank you all for tuning in. Hope you have a good week ahead. We'll see you all next time. Have a good one.